So we're doing this a little different today uh, because I have a plane to catch at 2 o'clock. Uh, so, uh, so we're going to preach first. Uh, you got one song, and then we're going to, after, after I preach, then I'm going to s- uh, scoot right out, but you're going to continue to worship. And what a great way to, to end the service after we preach is you all worship more. Amen? And so we look forward to that for you, and we look forward to what God's going to do this hour. In 1902, President Teddy Roosevelt participated in a bear hunting trip in Mississippi. And while hunting, Roosevelt declared the behavior of the other hunters unsportsmanlike uh, after he refused to kill a bear that they had captured. As news of that hunting trip spread, many newspapers around the country featured political cartoons sharing Teddy and showing Teddy and the bear. Well, meanwhile, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, a shop owner named Mars Mictum saw one of those cartoons, and he had an idea. Mictum and his wife created plush stuffed bears and placed them in the front window of their shop. And with permission from Roosevelt, Mictum named the bears Teddy Bears, and they were an instant success. As we think about teddy bears, teddy bears for some of our children are those things which our kids like to have for a sense of security. For others of our children, maybe it's a pillow, favorite pillow, or a blanket of some sort. Um, and for adults, we grow out of those. Right, adults? We don't have a, a teddy bear, unless it's your spouse, uh, blanket or pillow, but rather adults do have these things that they consider that they need for security, they feel like they have to have. So for some, it's their bank account, for some, it's a job, for some, it's possessions, and that's where we are looking for a sense of security. But what we find today, as we're continuing our series on only Jesus from the Gospel of John, as we finish up chapter 10 today, is that Jesus is the true security. And apart from Jesus Christ, we are really not secure. There is no security apart from him. And so what we find here in this passage is that the religious people of that day, they were clinging to the security of their religion. And they were clinging to the security of their traditions. And maybe there are some who still do that today as well. But what we want to see here is that where real security is, and that is found only in Jesus. Only Jesus. Amen? And so we're going to look at that in John chapter 10, starting at verse 22, going through the rest of that chapter, and chapter in honor and reverence to the Word of God. If you'd please stand as I read this passage for us this morning. <clears throat> the Bible says this, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, And Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? 
If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. And then many came to him and said, John performed no signs, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would take the word of God now and apply it to our lives. We pray, Father, that we would see very clearly in this passage of Scripture how you are our security and that you are our source of security, that you are the true security. And so, Lord, I pray that any distractions of life, any distractions of things outside, uh, Lord, we would just put aside at the moment and listen to your voice and hear from you today, Lord, that you would take this word and speak to us and apply it there, therein. And now, Lord, if there are those here that don't know you as Lord and Savior of their lives, those, Father, today who belong to you, whatever the case may be, may you draw us to yourself and may you have your way in every heart and life. And we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as we look at this past scripture, you see the outline in the bulletin or in the, um, on the app. So you can follow along either way there. Either one is good. And so what we want to see here is that Jesus is the true security. And the first thing we see here is that true security is, or the security is that faith in Jesus. We have security in Jesus as we have faith in Jesus. And we look again at verses 22, 23, 24. It says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt if you are the Christ? tell us plainly. Well, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus has already told them over and over again who he is as we've looked at this uh, Gospel of John already. He has told them plainly already as to who he is. But nevertheless, they're pressing in again. But something you need to know also about this, uh, what's happening here, the Feast of Dedication uh, that's going on here as it talks about is what we would know today as Hanukkah. And so this Feast of Dedication was not one that was spelled out in the Old Testament, but rather it was spelled out in the intertestamental time. So it's between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And without getting into too much about how it came about, I'll just give you a little brief synopsis of it. But seeing that celebrating this, this festival is celebrating a time when the temple was being cleansed and dedicated after a ruthless enemy had come into the temple and desecrated it. And once Israel was liberated from that tyrant, then the temple needed to be cleansed, and that process of cleansing the temple takes eight days. And during those eight days of cleansing the temple after this guy was run out, it was necessary to keep the lamps burning in the temple before the Lord morning and evening. But they only had enough holy oil for one day. But miraculously, that one day's oil lasted all eight days so that they could cleanse the temple. And so this is that celebration that they are celebrating, dedicated to the temple and the cleansing of the temple. And it's during this festival that the Jews come and press into Jesus and are wanting him to tell them plainly if he is the Messiah. They want to know if he is the Christ, the promised one. 
and understand that they don't want to know that because they want to believe in him, but rather they want him to admit that openly to them so that they can do away with him. They want him dead. They want him to be stoned or to be killed. They want him out of the way. Even though they were celebrating the dedication of the temple, we see here that they were far from being dedicated to God. You see, they loved their nation, and they loved their religion, and Jesus is a threat to them, and this was causing them some real insecurity and shakiness in what they believed. And to them, their life and the life of Judaism is in danger for them if Jesus were to continue to say and do the things that he's doing. Because they're not realizing that Jesus isn't against their Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so they want him completely out of the way. And so then Jesus says to them in verse 25, after they're asking him to tell them plainly, he says, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you're not of my sheep, as I said to you. So what Jesus is doing here is they're pressing into him. He is calling them and he has, tells them that he has called them and is calling them to give up who they are and what they had clung to and believe in him. Because in doing so, he is telling, calling them not to be insecure because of him, but that they can be secure through him. Because he is the only one who saves. He is the one who offers salvation. And so he answers them that they should know this already. They have had the witness of his words where he says here, I told you already. And also they have the witness of his works where he says that they bear witness of me. And so we think just for a moment about that, that which we has, he has told them already. The, his words have already pointed to him as the Messiah. You remember we read in, read in this uh, gospel already how Jesus has been said to be one who has spoken as one with authority. And people were amazed at some of the things in which he had said because no one has ever said things like him before. We also know that it's been very clear as we've walked through this uh, uh, Gospel of John how Jesus has articulated over and over that he is the I Am using the holy name of God, I Am. And so he has told them with the words in which he has spoken who he is, but also through the works that he has performed miracles as well. These, these bear witness of him. You remember how he turned water into wine and fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes and healed the lame man who had been lame for 38 years and gave sight to the man who was born blind. All these things. And so the witness of the words and the works, they point to him and a person believes in him by faith. And in so doing, when a person knows Jesus is who he says he is, they are secure in salvation. They have life by believing in him they're saved by faith so instead of being a threat to their way of life jesus was offering the security of real life which comes by faith in him and believing in him by faith because this life that jesus offers is salvation and there is security in knowing jesus by faith amen and so he is the one, listen, he is the one, we're securing him as by salvation because he is the one who saves from perishing. He is the one who saves from a place called hell. He is the one who saves from sin's penalty and sin's power. 
But here's the thing that we need to understand as we look at this passage of Scripture in the security that we have in Jesus is knowing that in salvation, salvation is the work of God. The work of God in salvation, and because it is the work of God in salvation, that is what makes us secure. Because it's all about Him and not about us. Amen? It's His work in salvation. Let's, let's look at verse 26 again. Notice what Jesus says here and the way in which He says it. He says, But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. He says, you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. So he knows that they were not his sheep, so they did not believe. He, he knows his sheep. And so what we see in this passage of Scripture is a very delicate yet perfect balance of both the election of God and human responsibility. We see here in this passage of Scripture, in all of this passage, the, the balance, the delicate balance between the sovereignty of God and the free let will of man. Now understand that these, this doctrine of God's choosing, His election, and man's responsibility has been debated forever. For centuries. And nobody can get a handle or grasp, understand what it really means. Because it's of God. But I think what we see here is that there is to be a delicate balance between the two. But all the while realizing that it is God who is in control. And it is God who calls his sheep and they follow. And yet we and they still have the responsibility. You see, what we find here is that Jesus knows that these are not his sheep. He tells us in verse 26, but yet when you move over to verse 37 and verse 38, what do we find Jesus saying there? He says, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe, that the Father is in me and I in him. So even though he knows they're not his sheep, he is still inviting and imploring them to believe in him. So we have this delicate balance. I like the way in which, I love the way in which Warren Wearsby uh, says it. He says it this way. From a human standpoint, we become sheep. We become his sheep by believing. But from a divine standpoint, we believe because we're his sheep. And there's a beautiful balance between those two. But what we know, though, is in security is that we, he calls, the Lord calls, but we have the responsibility to respond. And as we do, we recognize that our salvation has been initiated and enabled by God. And since God initiates and enables us to be saved, then, beloved, we are secure in our salvation. Amen? Because it's all Him, and it's not us. And we're grateful for that. They, and they needed to know what we need to know today, and that Jesus is not a threat to life, but rather He is life. And by believing in Him... We have real life that transforms us and changes us and reconciles us with holy God. That our salvation is secure in Jesus as we have faith in him. And this salvation, when we know him, is sure and it's solid and it's promised and it's fulfilled. For we are saved and we are secure in Christ. So he's the security. And we're securely saved by Jesus as he calls us and we respond in faith. But also we see that as we have faith in Jesus, he's the security, but also following Jesus. Now, if you look at verse 27, we see to have faith in Jesus, but also this in following Jesus. 
we see our security is there as well. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus said, my sheep, well, they know me, they hear my voice, and they follow me. My sheep will follow me. You know, some words, as we come to passages of Scripture, we'll find words and say, you know, we need to sort of get to the, to the root of what this word to figure out what this really means. When we come to the word follow, we don't need to do that, do we, right? We all know what it means to follow. I mean, you all played as kids, follow the leader, right? Or you still follow a team, or you follow the stock market, or you follow the arrows, or you follow a map, or you follow directions, whatever. You know what it means to follow. And Jesus says about his sheep that they follow me, that he's the one who leads the way, who knows the way, who goes before us in the way. So it's like the shepherd who's leading the sheep we talked about last week. That's what it is for us as sheep is to follow the shepherd because he's leading the way. And he is the security as he saves us, but also as he leads us, right? And so we have that security in him knowing that we're his sheep as we follow him. And so understanding what it is to follow, following is trusting him. Following is obeying him. Following is letting him guide and listening to his voice. And as we follow, there is that security in knowing I belong to the Lord and he is my shepherd and I am his sheep and I am his and he is mine and I follow him. Amen? So there's security in knowing that. And so we see the idea of following the shepherd and following Jesus. What a beautiful picture that is. We talked about that some, as we said last week, about him being the shepherd and we being the sheep and, and being able to be, come up next to him, knowing that the shepherd always knows what's best, leading us to the green pastures and leading us to the still waters, to those things which we need and that which is best for us. And so because of that, we're going to follow him. And so as that's a beautiful picture, as we think about, we, and we say, you know, I follow Jesus. But how are you doing that? We say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but, but how is that manifested in your life? As I was walking through that and thinking through that this week about what it means to really be a follower of Jesus, there are numerous ways that the, the list is, you know, we can go on and on and on about ways in which we follow Jesus. But there's a, five things that really just came to my heart and came to my mind that I wanted to share with you today about what it looks like when we're following Jesus, some things, some areas of our life that if we really are following Jesus, that these will be manifested in us. And let's look at a couple of those. The first one is, so following involves, number one, trusting him to guide my every step. So if he's my shepherd and I'm the sheep and he's the master and I'm the servant and he's the, the leader and I'm going to follow, then I'm going to trust him to guide my every step. Okay, so that's what following is. And so as I'm trusting him to guide my every step, that means I'm believing and trusting that he alone is God. And as God, I believe that he is right and he is perfect and he's going to be glorified through me as his sheep. But not only that, but because I believe he is God, I mean, I believe that he has the right and he has the authority to lead me because he knows what is best and he is God. And so I'm trusting him to guide my every step. I'm listening to his voice, and I'm spending time with him. That's how we learn his voice, as we spend time with him. Amen? 
And so we'll spend time, we hear the voice of our shepherd because we spend time with him in prayer and in time in his word. We understand who it is who's speaking to us. And as we're listening to his voice and spending time with him, we're asking him for direction. Now, now men, I know that we never like to ask for directions for anywhere, okay? But this is one of those areas where we all need to ask for direction, amen? We need to ask for his direction. I'm constantly amazed at the children of Israel and the Old Testament, just reading this week, how over and over how they mess up because they fail to go to the Lord for direction, but then they inquire of the Lord, and then he gets them back on the right track. Beloved, we are to always inquire of the Lord, amen? Seeking his direction because, and follow him because we're trusting him to guide my every step. And so we're yielding to that direction in every part of our life, whether it's in raising our children or loving on our grandbabies or the job that we have or our education or our school or activities or decisions that we need to make. All these things we are to depend upon the Lord to give us the direction because he's the one leading. But the question is, are you following? Y'all with me? Amen? We want to, he's, we're following him. It's letting him carry you along as you obey and yield to him. Listen, if you trust someone, then you're going to listen to their advice and listen to their counsel, listen to their guidance, like, like to the doctor. I'm sure you all have been to a doctor, and you go to a doctor that you trust, and so if you, as you had some time with that doctor, and the doctor seems to know what he or she is talking about, you're going to follow their guidance because you trust them. Think of an auto mechanic. I mean, for me, I have no clue when it comes to mechanicking. But I can, if I go to somebody that I trust, then I can listen to what they've got to say, and I'm going to listen to their advice, and I'm going to follow that because I trust them, and I don't know a lick about doing anything with a car. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? And so here's the thing. If you say that you trust Jesus, then you're going to follow his guidance for every step and completely obey him because you trust him, Right? It was said, something I read this week, that if you don't intend to follow their advice or their guidance, thinking about you know, a doctor or a mechanic or whoever, if you don't intend to follow their advice or their guidance, then, you're, then you simply don't trust them, period. You're thinking, the doctor tells you to do something and you don't follow that advice, then you're saying, ah, I know better than you do. And you don't trust them. Such it is if we're not following the Lord. If we're not doing what he says, then we're saying to him, I don't trust you. So following is trusting the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So following is trusting him that he knows what he's doing, knows what he's saying, and doing what he wants you to do. Trusting him to guide you every step. Here's the second thing as we think about following. Knowing that he's the one leading, but are we following? It's that serving. Serving him with all my energy. Serving him all the time with all my energy. So what you're saying, Pastor, is you want me to come to the church Monday through Saturday and, and, and not just on Sunday? You want me to serve him at the church? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. However, if you've got some free time and you want to come, we've got things for you to do, right? But that's not what I'm saying at all. No, every part of your life, everything that you do, you serve him with all of your energy. So you serve him 
No matter whether you're here at the church or not, you serve him when you're at work. You serve him when you're at school. You serve him when you're in your neighborhood. You serve him when you're working with your HOA. You serve him when you're at the gym. You serve him when you're with your club or your organization. You serve him here at the church. You serve him in your community group. You serve him in your Sunday school. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you are to serve him with all of your heart. Because in Ephesians 6, 7, it says, With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So whatever, wherever we are and whatever we're doing, we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ in every part of our lives. Y'all with me? Amen? And so we see this. He's leading. And we're his sheep. And so we're going to follow. And if we're going to follow, we're going to do what he says. And so we're going to trust him with every step, and we're going to serve him with all my energy. And then thirdly, we're going to give him my money. Oh, pastor, do you really have to go there? Well, yes, I do. I sure do. Because, you know, when we think about giving, our Lord sacrificially gives of himself, right? And so the question for us is, we're, we're his sheep and he's our shepherd, if he is the teacher and we're the disciples, if he's the master and we're the servants, then we're going to do what he says and we're going to follow his example. And if he gives, then we need to give. Now, as we think about being givers, yes, we're talking about giving all of our life and giving all of our time. But when we get to talking about giving of our money, boy, we really get worried about that, don't we? But in reality, we need to be able to listen to what the Lord says, Right? We need to follow what he teaches and, show, and listen to what he is telling us to do. So following means obedience, not just in some parts of our life, but in every area of our lives. And so this area of money, there's a passage of scripture in Malachi chapter 3. Some of you know this passage, verses 8 through 10, that talks about how in our, the money that we have, we are to tithe that money to the Lord. Now, Here's the first thing that you need to understand is that everything that you have, everything that you own, does not belong to you. It all belongs to the Lord. Amen? What you have, you're just, we are all just stewards of what God has blessed us with. You say, well, I've worked really hard for that. God has allowed you to have what you have. Everything we have belongs to him. And with that, he tells us in his word that a tenth, a tithe, belongs to him of our money. In this chapter, Matthew, Malachi 3, 8 through 10, says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. So a tithe literally means 10%, a tenth, okay? And so what the Lord calls us to do is to give a tenth of our income to him. Great, here's the preacher. This is your first time here. You say, great, another pastor who only talks about money. I assure you, I don't talk about money all the time. However, the Lord talks about it, so we need to talk about it, amen? And money deals with our heart. 
And when you start talking about money, I mean, we really get kind of riled up about that. But here's what we need to understand is that we don't mind giving to those things which we love. We don't mind giving to those things that we are passionate about. We don't mind putting money out for things that we want to do. And so Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, tells us about following him. And in following him, that means that we're going to be obedient. And part of that obedience is giving. We're going to give our tithe. And so we bring our tithe to the Lord. Now let's go a little deeper. Understand this, that a tithe is not the same thing as an offering. A tithe is a 10% of your income, and an offering is above and beyond the tithe. And so when we give to the global impact offering, that's not part of your tithe, that's an offering. When you give to the building debt, that's not part of tithe, that's an offering. When we give to Annie Armstrong, Lottie Moon, to, the, to missionaries, to those offerings, those are offerings. That's not a part of the tithe. The offering is above and beyond the tithe. Well, Pastor, I'm not sure that I like this. I got a question, Pastor. So what if, what if I, I'm in, in a church and I don't like the pastor and I don't like the church and I don't like what's happening? What do I do then? Well, if you don't like the pastor and you don't like the church and you don't like what's happening, maybe you need to check your heart. All right? That's the first thing I'd say. But then I'd say this. Understand this, that you're not giving to the pastor. And you're not giving to the church, and you're not giving to what's happening. You are giving to the Lord. Amen? When we give our tithe, we're giving to the Lord. Now, yes, salaries are paid when you give your tithe. Salaries are paid. Light bills are paid. Praise God. we got lights and air conditioning. Amen? But understand that it is so much more when we tithe. Because what happens is that the money goes to support missionaries as the gospel is spread around the world. Not only around the world, but ministries that are reaching Colonial Heights in the Tri-Cities area. And on and on and on. But the thing we need to understand is that we're giving to the Lord. Amen? And what we understand is we say we're following Jesus. Oh, yes, I'm following Jesus. But how? How's that manifested in your life? I mean, trusting Him with every step. Serving Him with all of our energy, but also giving. Being faithful to Him. And understand this, I mean, this is a little raw and a little rough, but we need to understand this. But what the Bible tells us in Malachi is that if you do not give the tithe, you are robbing God. Stealing from God what is rightly his. And so for to not give says, I don't believe you, Lord. To not give says, I'm not going to obey you, Lord. And to not give says, what I want to do is more important than you, Lord. Okay, Pastor. I'm convicted, I understand, but I just can't give 10% of my income. I can't give 10% to the Lord and a tithe to church. I just can't afford it. Okay, well, let me say a couple things and just hear my heart in this. Number one, what do you really believe about the Lord? Do you really believe that he's able to provide for you? Okay, number one. And I would say trust him because he owns it all. Amen? He owns it all. And the next thing I would say to you is that, okay, so you're telling me you can't do 10%. Start somewhere, all right? Start this month at 1% if you're not anywhere. And then next month or next couple months go to 2% and have it your goal to get to 10%. But let that be your goal because we want to be obedient to the Lord. Amen? So how is following Jesus manifested in your life. 
Be faithful to that. Be faithful to who he is. Following Jesus means you're going to recognize that everything you are, everything you have belongs to him. So you're going to obey, you're going to love, you're going to worship him in your tithe and follow him. So following Jesus means trusting him to guide him to guide your every step, serving him with all of your energy, giving him the money that you have because he's the one leading and you are supposed to be following and so am I. And then telling of him, here's the fourth one, telling of him with all of my words and my actions. So not only are you trusting and serving, giving, but you ought to be, you're supposed to be telling as well. Following is telling. So having gospel conversations with other people, we're to be telling, living in ways that's easier for, to have those conversations rather than harder. So in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, it says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. So we're going to trust him and serve him and give to him and tell of him, and then we're going to worship him. So this is another way in which we're following him. He's the one leading, or we follow him. We're going to worship him in our lives. As he's the shepherd and we're the sheep, we're going to worship him with all of our hearts, praising him and thanking him, exalting him, and look, also looking for him. We're looking for the Lord to return. Amen? The Bible tells us in, in Hebrews 9.20, it says that we eagerly wait for him. And Titus 2.13 says, We are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are anticipating, and in that anticipation that the Lord is coming, we worship Him because of who He is and what He's done and what He's going to do. Amen? So in that worshiping, I love what Piper says in dealing with this and, and people not thinking about uh, the Lord coming back. He says, There is a phony faith that claims to believe in Christ but is only a fire insurance policy that phony faith believes only to escape hell. It has no real desire for Christ. In fact, it would prefer if he did not come so that we can have as much of this world's pleasures as possible. And this shows that a heart is not with Christ, but with the world. And so the issue for us is, do we eagerly long for the coming of Christ or do we want him to just stay away while our love affair with the world runs its course? That's the question that tests the authenticity of faith. And beloved, that also tests the authenticity of if we are truly following our shepherd. And following Jesus, do we really believe he is who he says he is? And since he claims that he is God and if we believe that he, what he says is true, then are you following him? Because if I belong to the Lord, then I'm going to follow him, right? If I really belong to him, I'm going to follow him. Our security is found in him as we have faith in him, and we follow him living as he says. He leads and directs, trusting, serving, giving, telling, and worshiping. And then finally, here's, he's the security as we are forever in his grip. Verse 28 and 29, key verses here. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. We, we have the security. Jesus is our security because we are forever in his grip. Okay? And so what Jesus is doing is in explaining real life to these uh, Pharisees, these Jewish leaders, the real life that he offers, he speaks of the certainty and the security of this life see this eternal life that he offers. This is where we get our doctrine called eternal security, which means once saved, always saved. When you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you cannot lose that salvation. That's where this, we get that doctrine from this passage right here, as well as others. 
But we see that Jesus is our security. We're forever in his grip for three reasons. One, because of his power. We see here he says, and I give them eternal life. Only God can make that promise. Only God can say, you can have, I'm going to give you eternal life. I can't tell you that. No fountain of youth is going to tell you that. Only God can tell you that. That he can give you eternal life. And Jesus says in verse 30, I and the Father are one. So they're one in essence. The Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Father, but the Father and Son are both God. And so he tells us here that we're forever in his grip, Jesus. No one's going to snatch you out of my hand. And we're in the Father's grip as well. So his grip is to protect us and is to keep us to himself. And in my mind, as I was, uh, all, all, all my life that I've been able to think about this passage of Scripture, I've thought about being in, the, in God's hand and him holding me. And I thought about it this way, where he... God's got a big old hand, and he is holding me in the palm of his hand. But I think that that's true, but I think there's also another way to see this passage of Scripture as well. And it, it came very clear to me just yesterday. We had the great privilege of going bowling with our grandbabies yesterday down in Farmville. And as we were coming out, one of our grandbabies likes to run in the parking lot. And so Angie was telling me about how always having to grab a hold uh, to Brentley. This is Brentley. Brentley's hand. And so Brentley likes to run when she gets at it. But if Nana is holding Brentley's hand and Brentley's holding Nana's hand, who's the one who's protecting whom? It is Nana who's taking care of Brentley, right? And so it's the, the strength of Nana's hand that's keeping her safe, right? And so it is with Almighty, all-powerful God who holds us by the hand as well. He's the one who keeps us safe. He's the one who holds us to himself. It's not dependent upon me. I don't have the power nor the willpower, but he does. Amen? We are secure in him. The Bible tells us that Jesus says, the Father is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So the security of believers is guaranteed. It's impossible to lose our salvation because it doesn't depend upon my strength or my power, but rather his. And so we are forever in his grip because of his power, because of his promise. That his promises are sure and they never fail. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. It's a promise from God. His promises never fail. And also because it's permanent. He says, I give them eternal life. It's eternal life. It's a forever life. Meaning that it's not conditional or contingent upon how you act. So if it's not our works that save us, but it's all the Lord and his grace who saves us by faith, then if your good works cannot save you, then your bad works cannot unsave you, right? So it is a permanent, eternal security. Now granted, there are times when we mess up, we fail, and we sin. But as we know Jesus as Savior, he forgives us of all of our sin and cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. But here's the thing, as a believer and as a sheep to the shepherd, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to sin. I'm going to try my best not to. But there are times when we fail. But he is faithful to continue to hold us. Your eternal security is based upon his power and his promise and his gift to you and his grace over you. Y'all with me? Three things real quick and we're done to do. I don't forget your to-dos today, by the way. I may have forgotten those last Sunday. All right? But today you have three. One, ask, where am I finding my security? Where are you trying to find your security? Is it in the things of this world? Is it anything besides Jesus? There is no security except in Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, 
He's calling you to himself today. Will you trust him by faith? Will you believe on him by faith? We're all sinners and need him to save us. Turn from the sin, turn to Jesus, believe and embrace him with all your heart that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave and profess him as the Lord and Savior of your life. It's a step of faith. He calls, you respond. Where are you finding your security? And then secondly, follow the Lord. Follow him. He's the shepherd, you're the sheep. He's the leader, you follow. He's the, the teacher, you're the disciple. He's the master, you're the servant. Follow the Lord and obey him and what he's calling you to do. Obey him in his word. Follow the Lord in all things. And then thirdly, before I give you the third one, I may have shared the story. I'm not sure that I have. But uh, a couple years ago, Pastor Chris at Midway, who's the lead pastor there now, who was with me when I was there as the pastor, he was my associate, he was telling a story through something that the SBCB was doing about his father-in-law, whose name is Terry Falwell. That he said that his father-in-law, uh, Brother Terry, every morning he gets the newspaper. And he opens up the newspaper to the obituaries every single morning. And he looks in the obituaries, not to see if he's there. No, that's not what he does. What he does is he looks in the obituaries to see if the people who are younger than him. And so he looks at all those pictures and all those names and all those dates and ages, and if there's anybody who's younger than him, he simply circles it, goes through the obituaries and circles, and there are people who are younger than him. And there are, when we look at it as well, people who are younger than us. And the reason why he does that is because he recognizes that this day that he has is a gift from God. And so the third to-do goes along with that is to make every day count. We are secure in Jesus because he saves us. We're secure in Jesus because he leads us. And we're secure in Jesus because he holds us. And knowing that, beloved, we're willing to do whatever he calls us to do, wherever he leads us to go, whenever he wants us to do it, and however he wants us to do it. Amen? We're secure in Jesus. Where you find finding security, follow the Lord and make every day count. Amen? I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I'm going to slip out, but y'all hang around here because you're going to worship for a little while longer. But just know this, man, I love you guys. Grateful for you. All right, let's pray. Father, thankful, we're thankful for you and for what you do for us. We thank you, Lord, for this day and for reminding us again what it is to be secure in you as we have faith in you, as we follow you, as we're forever in your grip knowing that it's all initiated and enabled by you. So you hold us, you save us, you lead us. And so, Lord, we yield to you today. And we pray that you'd guide us and direct us, Lord, to be the people of God that you want us to be. Lord, how we love you and praise you uh, for reminding us of that. Now, Lord, let us live that out. As we say that we're followers of yours, let that be manifested in our lives because we want to, not because we have to, but because we get to. And we want to be a part of who you are and, and always be by your side and following because that's where the green pastures are. And that's where real life is, is in following you, believing in you, and staying close to you. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Joe's going to be up here.